When I was an army chaplain, my soldiers asked me all kinds of questions about God, life, relationships, the Bible, and answered them as best I could with the stuff I learned along the way and the things rattling around inside my head. They also called me Padre. So welcome to the Dear Padre podcast, where I take some questions of the day and do my best to answer them. Today, the question is, how do you see Jesus? How do you see Jesus? Which is quite a question since we don't have a picture of Jesus. There is no uh, photograph, video, even drawing of Jesus that exists from the first century. Certainly many have seen Jesus over the centuries and have written their descriptions of him and pictures of him. And yet the gospel's accounts are quite scarce of what he looks like what he looked like. We talk about Jesus looking like something or how he looked. We always remember that he is still alive. That is one of the claims of Christianity, that this man who died on the cross, on a cross, we call it the cross because it has so much meaning for us, that this man is still alive. He's certainly glorified and in heaven, and yet he is, in fact, more alive than he has ever been. And whatever happened to Jesus is going to happen to us. There's this festival going on in John's gospel, and some Greeks, like some Greeks, some Utes were there. (laughs) Two Utes, some Greeks, they came up to Philip. Philip must have been the most Greek-looking of the disciples, maybe, or maybe even his name, which is a Greek name, meant he was from a what's called a Hellenistic Jewish family. Hellenistic Judaism at this time was were Jewish people who were part of the Roman world. The Roman world was a Greek world. One of the weird ironies of history is that Alexander the Great conquers the world, well, the world as they knew it, and, and quickly dies. He's 33 when he dies, same age as Jesus. And he's on a far-flung edge of the empire. His Empire splits into four different sections. His generals take four different sections. Cleopatra's family down in Egypt, the, the Seleucids up in Syria, and I forget the other two. Somebody got Greece, apparently. But his empire splits, and then suddenly Rome comes in to fill this vacuum. This, this tiny little city from Italy suddenly takes over the world. And it doesn't just happen overnight. It happens slowly over time, but it's rapid for ancient standards and maybe even for our own, they take over the world and they really don't import a lot of Roman culture. Um, And I don't know how even historians quite understand this, but what they do is they preserve the Greek culture that's already there, this universal worldwide common Greek culture. The New Testament is written in Koine Greek, which just means common Greek. It's not classical Greek. It doesn't have a a classical style. It's not King James Greek. It's It's just the way people talked. And they spoke Greek all throughout the Roman world. Jesus' trial is most likely in Greek. Um, Jesus spoke Greek. I mean, we don't know this for sure. There's never a verse in the Bible that says, and Jesus spoke Greek. But we know that he did answer uh, Pilate and others in Greek. He speaks um, 
probably the John chapter 3, For God So Loved the World conversation, is in Greek with Nicodemus. That would have been normal in Jerusalem to be speaking Greek. The other language Jesus spoke was Aramaic, which was the the more Jewish language from another empire that conquered the world, Assyria. And so these languages got mixed and mingled all the time, as people do that speak a number of languages that live in the same place. But here we have these Greeks. They're there, and Philip is kind of one of them. They're Jewish people that live in this Greek world. They do Greek stuff. They watch Greek plays. They read Greek books. They write Greek books. I mean, that's what these disciples end up doing, is writing Greek letters and books. Andrew and Philip, they tell Jesus, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. They want to see Jesus. Now, Jesus is not anybody special. He is a prophet, a healer, miracle worker. He claims to be the Messiah. His followers believe that. But he is not some internationally famous person like he is today. Uh, So their desire to see him is an act of faith itself. If you want to see Jesus, that means there's something in your heart that God has put there. God has placed that in your heart to see Jesus. And if you're looking for Jesus, looking to find him, to see him, notice they don't say, we want to understand Jesus. We want to talk to Jesus. We just want to see him. And Jesus describes that you really can't see me until something happens. And what is about to happen is his death on the cross. He tells them, to really see me, I have to go into the ground and die, just like a grain of wheat goes into the earth and dies. It remains just a single grain. And, and then when it sprouts to life, it bears much fruit. If you have ever planted anything, you know the miracle of life even happens on this level. Where Just put, put a seed, it looks like a piece of dirt, brown and plain, into the ground. And then to have it come to life, just one day, pop, there it is out of the ground, this green shoot, this plant coming out. It's always amazing. It's always a miracle. And it's a miracle that reminds us of what happened to Jesus, that he died and he came back to life. It's also a miracle that reminds us of what happens to us and what can happen to us, that in our deaths, our little deaths, and I mean all the little deaths of life, not just the big death that sort of we're all sort of dreading or looking forward to or dealing with or worried about, but the ultimate, all the little deaths that happen throughout our lives where we're disappointed, where we fail, where people fail us, where institutions fail us, where we don't get what we want, where we don't even like know what we want, where we can't even imagine good things happening to us. In all of these little deaths, They are the requirement for this kind of resurrection. And every seed that goes into the ground, it dies. It has to die. If you've ever had to bury a seed, if you're to bury one of your dreams, knowing that it's going to die, it is tough. It is hard. It is difficult to give that up, to let the ground take it, to let the ground rot it. And yet that is the moment where life happens. That is the moment of resurrection. That is the moment where new life happens, something we couldn't have even imagined. And Jesus is saying to these Greeks, this is what is happening to me.
hasn't quite happened yet. The hour is coming. The hour is coming. And when it does come, he, when I am lifted up, I will draw all people to myself. This event of crucifixion is the center of our faith. It is the center of all human history. It is the center. It is the day the revolution started. It is the day this change in the world's economy, change in the way the world loves, it changed everything because it shows us how we're going to live. We're going to live in this death and resurrection as well. Whatever happened to Jesus will happen to us. And our experience of the cross, of sacrifice, of love, of dying to self, uh, this is the way of Jesus, to follow him in these ways. And if you're doing that today, if something inside you is dying, take hope, take heart. That is the prerequisite to resurrection, to new life starting, to something new that you couldn't even dream of or imagine or hope for. That is happening right now in this little death that you're experiencing, or maybe a big death that you're experiencing. And ultimately, it happens in our deaths. This is the Christian hope, that death is not the end. No matter what you're going through, what you're dealing with, who has hurt you, betrayed you, left you behind, you can be sure that Jesus has experienced that too. And he is lifted up, hanging between earth and sky, calling you to follow him, but more importantly, for this first moment, calling you to see him. Sir, we wish to see Jesus. May we all see him today. Amen. I want to thank everyone who listens to this podcast. I love you all. I'm so thankful that you went all the way to the end of this little sermon. I hope it encouraged you. If you want to share it with somebody to encourage them, please do. Um, You know, I'm a local church planter in Pflugerville, Texas. uh, And, you know, I'm not a podcast ministry, big name host. The production values are rather simple within my technology, technological grasp. But I hope what you're hearing here is um, meaningful to you. And if it does, and if you have a question, please reach out to me. Uh, you can email me at runnermonk at gmail.com, runnermonk, all one word, at gmail.com, or uh, Twitter, DVD Peters, DVD Peters, or Facebook, David William Peters, or David W. Peters, or TikTok, and get a hold of me and ask some questions if you like, so that uh, we can be in this community together. I think uh, podcasting communities are really cool because they're based on ideas and encouragement. And sometimes uh, I've listened to podcasts that have just like helped me get through the day. So I hope this does that for you. And if that is, you're one of them, please let me know. I'd love to hear from you.